the college football experience, Kentucky Wildcats 2023 season preview episode on the Sports Gambling Podcast Networks, brought to you by Circa Sports. Uh, yes, Circa Sports is back with their Circa Survivor and Circa Millions contest. Fourteen million dollars are up for grabs. Get all the details at circasports.com. And remember, folks, as always, to let it ride. This is Mike Leach, uh, head football coach at Mississippi State, and you're listening to SGPN Let It Ride. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome. Welcome to the college football experience. Kentucky Wildcats 2023 season preview episode. Oh, I'm excited to talk a little, talk a little. Yes. Uh, look, I mean, Mark Stoops just done an unbelievable job. Res- you know, I don't even know if resurrecting the program, building the program, uh, and John Calipari coming to the terms that perhaps they might be starting to become a football school. I don't know. We're going to talk all about it. Perhaps you're wondering just who the hell you're listening to. Uh, my name is Colby Swigga, Dad to base dad, AKA pick. Dundee, that's not a pick. This is a pick. He was raised in the land down under where a man thinks on his feet, speaks with his fists, and lives by his wits. When Dundee happened, he was a superstar. I'm probably drinking too much and celebrating too much and not sleeping. Would have killed a normal man, but nah, nah, that's gone. The medical advice I got from that was... It was like being hit by lightning. Pretend it never happened and get on with your life. Let's go. And I had to play a, a, a rest in peace to our, our friend, Mike one Leach, who used to be the offensive coordinator of the Kentucky Wildcats back in the day. Uh, good friend of the program. And we miss him dearly, but man, what, what a job uh, Mark Stoops has done, for, you know, putting Kentucky on the map. I mean, what? I mean, I know they went to the bowl uh, bowl at five and five in 2020, ended up five and six. So in a way, you get to say, uh, what seven straight bowls? Holy hell! Uh, it's been a long time. I don't even think they've ever had. Have they? I don't. I, we're gonna dive dive in and take a look. But I am joined by someone I'm excited to have on the show. First timer on on this very show, but he is a well, he's a Kentucky fan, a Kentucky grad. He's also a lawyer folks. So if you're ever trying to fuck with me or punch me in the face, I will take legal action. Uh, I'm just joking, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I give you Brady Grove for, uh, you know, how you doing Brady and appreciate you hopping on the show, talking a little Kentucky wildcat football. Oh, Colby. Thanks so much for having me on excited to talk about the wildcats for 2023. And you know, on my show, I, I do a lot of MMA, a lot of alternative football, my heart lies with the tri-state area and with the place that I spent seven years of post-high school education, the University of Kentucky. And uh, you touched on it a little bit, but 
there was some there was some chirping back and forth between our head coaches in <laughs> one of the dumbest news headlines to ever hit Kentucky sports. Uh, not something for two two coaches of big time programs to be fighting about. But uh, Mark Stoops, uh, he knows what he's got. Uh, We've been trending in the right direction, kind of plateaued here for a second, but but those problems could have been fixed. Yeah, and and I I, look. I'm not gonna. I know you're still technically a basketball school, but you gotta wonder the way that football is driving the needle with conference realignment and with you know the amount of money that Kentucky makes by being in the SEC. Uh, which is a football driven conference, even though they're good at basketball and, and, and baseball and everything. Uh, so, I, I mean, I know that was last season. He didn't say it this off season, but I'm still curious your take on that. And, and where, where does it, where does Kentucky sit now on becoming a football school? I don't think that that question matters as much as like, Look, we've had a, a lot of really good years of late in football. And it really started, and people don't, you know, all the time give the credit for this, but this really started with Rich Brooks back at, at the end of Amen. the year 2000s. Um, you know, even the gap between, you know, the Tim Couch years, you know, it, we were a miserable football program. So, you know, when Andre Woodson led us to two straight Music City Bull wins back in like 2007 and 2008, I, that, I was on – on cloud nine at, at those performances. And we, we have, you know, down years in between and basketball. Here's the thing, Colby, we have never gone more than 20 years without a national championship. That was 1958 to 1978. And it was, it was 18 years from 78 to 96 final fours in between. Historically, you can kind of shake Kentucky basketball down to a few key patterns and so, you know, are we going to be a football school? I don't know because I don't even know what that means for the future of college sports. Yeah. And you're seeing, I, th- I think you're seeing everyone kind of wake up to that. Duke is recruiting really well. Mike Elko's coming off a nine win season. Kansas has seemed to got it, get it together at Lance Leipold. And it seems like the, uh, even Alabama that uh, is getting their basketball team up, um, it seems like everyone's kind of realizing that, Hey, football and basketball make money. The rest don't. And we need to focus on making both of them uh, successful. I'm still waiting for, for Kyle and Stanford to get that memo, but everyone else seems to have gotten it. But uh, here we are uh, in the Stoops era, you know, he's 66 and 59. And, and I think that's fantastic considering his first three years were losing seasons at two and 10, five and seven, five and seven. Uh, and then he had a seven and six season that broke through in 2016. It got him to the tax slayer bowl. Uh, and they've been bowling ever since. Um, I know last year, high expectations didn't necessarily have the year people thought they would after they had a 10 win season in 21, but seven and six still a winning season. Will Levis moves on to the NFL and, uh, and, and now, you know, uh, probably looking at another bowl season, if I had to bet, I know we're going to get into it, but what's, what's your opinion of, uh, of one Mark Stoops? Well, so, you know, real quick on what you said about, you know, the power basketball schools moving up in football, you look at the schools that haven't, and you know, it's, it seems to be that well-rounded athletic success is kind of feeding into other systems, you know, like 
the schools that are doing well in college baseball, I think you're seeing incremental differences in how it is improving the rest of their athletic program. And uh, Alabama, you know, if it wasn't for one pesky murder charge, they could have been national champions. Who knows? <laughs> um, now, on March- damn, damn murder charge got him. <laughs> uh, you hate when that happens. Uh, and Mark Stoops, I think we knew that he was a home run coaching hire at the time. And I'll tell you what, I mean, for us, you know, and he's not, I mean, he's not physically or as a coaching name sexy by any means. He's the opposite of Lane Kiffin. Um, but, <laughs> but by that contract, you know, like Stoops has, and in Kentucky football in general, we've never been afraid to think outside the box and, and win with more with less. You know, I thought the Wildcat was called the Wildcat because of Kentucky for like all of my youth. And, you know, <laughs> Best receivers that we've sent to the NFL were played quarterback uh, 75% of the time that they were at Kentucky, you know, and, and for first, first, uh, FBS team to run the air raid. Right. And of all, yeah. So we are, have often been willing to, you know, win with less talent in some place. That's what we'd all, we've often had to do. My concern as we start to have more and more four-star five-star recruits, digging into the state of Ohio, doing well in the transfer portal. It's kind of like with Creighton and with, uh, you know, McDermott up there. There are certain schools that I question whether they actually want more talent because it's not the right. They don't, you have to know how to win with talent still as a coach. And some coaches don't do as well with it. Um, Stoops is putting quarterbacks and players in the pros since 2007, we've put, you know, really good pros in the NFL and they've done well once they've been there. I think this year is going to tell a lot of the tale on the direction for the University of Kentucky moving forward in both basketball and football. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I just think to me, I mean, A, the SEC, being a part of the SEC and getting that money started to pay off. I think that gigantic TV deal back when ESPN created the SEC network has been so I, I remember we were a guest uh, in college station this past year. Right. And we got shown around the facilities at college station and uh, it was fantastic checking out their facilities and, and, you know, someone was telling us and I've talked to, I think I talked to somebody else about this too uh, regarding Missouri, I think, or maybe regarding Miss, maybe it was, maybe it was Leach that was telling us about Mississippi state. Uh, but the amount of money that came in there. So if you were to go back to like 2005 for all those sec programs, now I'm not talking the elite of the most elite, like Georgia and Alabama, because they were always in an arms race facility wise, but that money that has came in, you know, has really helped out basketball. Now, obviously Kentucky's already, already always been a basketball powerhouse, but it's helped out everything. The A&M people were saying, you know, we, 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 our facilities have, Go back and look at the photos of the stadium and the facilities in the '90s, uh, early 2000s, and look at it now. And he, there, the, our, our connect there was basically saying everything changed with SEC Network, and getting that money and the amount of money ESPN put into it. So uh, perhaps we're seeing that all through the landscape, and that's why Kentucky, to me, especially in the NIL era, uh, you know, where you have a rabid fan base. I don't care what sport it is. We saw it with college baseball this past year. Kentucky fans showed out. They're great fans. That's what makes them to me a brand. It's a brand new day and age. The way we, we look back at college football and say, Oh, you know, this team's been a losing program for so many years. Well, that doesn't matter anymore. Cause now you have NIL. And I think, I think Kentucky could really be, really be something special here. So 
We're going to get all into it, folks. We're going to talk about the 2023 season, the offense, the defense, special teams, and the transfer portal. But before we do all that, I got to tell you, folks, that the college football experience, Kentucky Wildcats 2023 season preview episode is brought to you by Circa Sports. Yes, Circa Millions and Circa Survivor are back. $14 million in guaranteed prizes are up for grabs. Yes, uh, Circa Millions is basically five NFL picks, ATS each week. Uh, and w- may the winner take all. And then Circuit Survivor, obviously, if you ever played the NFL Survivor, just pick a different money line winner each and every week of the season. And last man standing gets the money. You can enter in Vegas, but play from anywhere. Sports Gambling Podcast, uh, aka SGPN crew, will be out there uh, the last weekend in August setting up a proxy. So uh, look, circusports.com for all the details. Once again, circusports.com. What would you do with $14 million, folks? Uh, look, so check it out. Circusports.com. All right. We are back on the college football experience, Kentucky wildcats, 2023 season preview episode. And I'm going to ask this question ahead of uh schedule here, but I'm curious. Um, well, no, let, 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 oh, okay. Jeff Brown's at Louisville. Has the rivalry been, you know, Brown is a Louisville guy, a Kentucky guy, Brown family. Has this rivalry started to spice up in it's always been a great rivalry to me. Football, basketball, I don't care if they're playing badminton. I'm in. All right. I love the rivalry. But has has Kentucky's dominated this thing in football lately? Has it gotten a little chippier knowing that a Kentucky guy comes in there and I feel like for some reason I feel like and I'm not in the, the great state of Kentucky, but I feel like there is a buzz about Brom at Louisville in the city of Louisville and perhaps a little bit around Kentucky has, has uh, how, how about like, I'm curious, is that true first off? And uh, is this rivalry spicing up a little bit? I will say that if there is a place where football is surpassing basketball at the university of Kentucky, it is the heat of the rivalry between Kentucky and Louisville. Uh, this past year, the Kentucky Louisville game basketball was on the same day as our bowl game. And I watched the basketball game because our bowl game didn't mean anything uh, with all the, with all the players that weren't in it. So, it, and we were playing Iowa again, for some reason, it was, <laughs> it, was uh, it was the least I have ever cared about a Kentucky win over Louisville. I, especially with Kenny Payne there, man, when it was Calipari versus Patino, even Calipari versus Chris Mack, I hate Chris Mack. Uh, so, <laughs> so, like I, that was heat. I remember being at Kentucky Louisville basketball games at the start of the Calipari with Drake and Jay-Z were there. Those games were national championship vibes. And while that's not there with football, I told you I was, a couple years ago, I was at the game where Levis ran all over Louisville and Satterfield. It was a hostile environment. People didn't want to like let us pass through, like in because it was in a way game we went to, and to blow them out and see that sea of red exit that game early is one of the sweetest memories in my life. <laughs> so, and I'll tell you, but this year is where that could end because Malik Cunningham is the kind of guy that would tear us up. Uh, usually, we had a better quarterback than them overall, and we had a, we had better coaching, we had better players. Uh, and you can see, you know, the difference between the SEC and the ACC in that game. But with Brom and with Plummer coming in from California, 
And a little bit ahead of this, but also looking to the Eastern Kentucky game on September 9th, there are two games very close to home on Kentucky's schedule that give me the creeps. Yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna dive in and talk about that. I love this rivalry, folks. Though football or basketball, whatever. Uh, I I remember a story. This is probably in the past decade, probably the past five years, where two people working, uh, no, two people that were in an old folks' home, got into a fist fight over uh, Louisville and Kentucky basketball. This was one of the best stories, and this is to me. This is the the spirit of the college experience. All right. That's the spirit right there. 92 years old might have dementia, but I'm still going to punch you in the face for being a Kentucky fan or being a Louisville fan, whatever it is. Absolutely fantastic. As far as I'm concerned, uh, let's talk about the transfer portal because we grade that uh, five years ago, six years ago, when me and Patty C were doing this, we, we could just skip over the transfer portal unless it was a huge recruit. <laughs> now, Boy, has the world changed because uh, you got to talk about it. You got to talk about it. And uh, so we grade the transfer portal. I'm going to hit on what they lost first. They lost uh, wide receiver Jordan Anthony to Texas A&M in conference, sort of, even though they play A&M once, I feel like once every 20 years. Um, offensive tackle DeAndre Buford went to Cincinnati. Offensive lineman David Wallaball, great name, goes to Syracuse. Um, linebacker Connor Long, he's gone. He's still in the portal, trying to find a home. Defensive lineman T- Tomawa Durajahe. Nailed it. <laughs> there we go. Uh, he is now at West Virginia. Safety London Craft is in the portal. Uh, Vito Tisdale is uh, with Deion Sanders saying we come. And Tisdale did start some games a season ago. Uh, Jacoby Albert, an athlete, uh, he is off to Hale State. Um, Justin Rogers, defensive lineman to the Auburn Tigers. Offensive tackle, Keontae Goodwin to Florida. Disgusting. That's absolutely disgusting. I mean, this is a bra- <laughs> what's going on here? Um, and uh, running back, Michael Drennan, portal. Quentin Jones at the defensive line spot, portal. Cornerback, Adrian Huey to the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. John Young, offensive tackle to the Miami, Ohio Redhawks. Um, and then you have what? Wide receiver, DeMonte Crooms, portal. Tight end, Keaton Upshaw to Georgia Southern. Running back, Cavassier Smoke, one of the best names. And he's like the Oklahoma backup quarterback, General Booty. Uh, these names are fantastic, folks. Uh, Cavassier Smoke uh, to the Colorado Buffaloes as well. Wide receiver, Demarcus Harris is in the portal. Uh, wide receiver Chris Lewis to Troy and wide receiver Chauncey Magwood uh, out to UCF. Whew. But what they brought in, and this is why I, I'm going to go ahead and say this for sure win, but let's let's get into it. Cornerback JQ Hardaway, who's a stud from the Cincinnati Bearcats, comes in to Kentucky. That was a huge get. Um, then you get uh, offensive tackle Marquise Cox from Northern Illinois to come in. They played Northern Illinois, Northern Illinois a year ago. Got some good film, and uh, now he's a Wildcat. Offensive lineman Tanner Bowles from the Alabama Crimson Tide comes in. Vanderbilt running back Ray Davis, uh, who is a Pennsylvania starter. This guy was a pretty damn good running back at Vanderbilt last year. Uh, and then the big one, quarterback Devin Leary from NC State. Um, then, then you have defensive lineman Keyshawn silver from North Carolina, Ohio state safety. This was a big one. Cause I think the secondary, uh, was losing a lot. So to, they were pretty active in the secondary bringing in Jansen Dunn from Ohio state, 
Uh, also Georgia Southern kicker, Alex Rayner. They sent one down to Statesboro. They grab a kicker coming back up. Nice little trade in, in uh, college football, USC offensive lineman, Cortland Ford also coming into Kentucky uh, and offensive tackle, Ben Christman from Ohio state also coming in to the wildcats as well as running back. And I like this get, this is actually a pretty decent get. See if I can remember this guy's name or remember how to pronounce it. Demi sumo. Karn Bay. <laughs> I remember watching the, the spring game a, a couple years ago. I feel like at NC state. I was like, this guy's good. Um, that's a nice get. Uh, also linebacker Davern Rayner at the, uh, from Northern Illinois as well. And I believe that will do it. Although it's a transfer portal. Someone's probably just signed with Kentucky today. Who fucking knows? Uh, look, normally if I, I have a rule here, if you can land your starting quarterback in the portal, I think you won, but then you add in the J the, the JQ Hardaway get and, and some of the other names they were able to bring in bowls from Alabama. Uh, I think they'd certainly won the portal. Ray Davis is a starter. Uh, the backup from NC state. I, 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 I mean, I, I just think they, they did to me. They, they more than a lot of schools I thought dominated the transfer portal. Uh, curious, curious your take here, Brady. Oh yeah. Oh, we won the transfer portal Colby. Uh, and you know, it started off a little rocky, you know, like when Cavazio smoke left for Colorado, you wondered if every player in the nation was about to leave for Colorado and then possibly get told to leave. Um, <laughs> and, and quick disclaimer, I don't blame Dion at all for what I'm sure Nick Saban did behind closed doors. Every yeah. Season. Yeah. Uh, so none of that, but I mean, there's a few key names here that I think are were absolutely instrumental. Obviously, everybody's going to talk about Devin Leary. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that's a huge improvement from Will Levis, but I think there's definitely a question mark there because of his now, health. Uh, look, I, I will jump in on this one for sure because I have always thought that he is overrated, right? I, I remember last year people saying he's the best quarterback in the ACC in preseason, and I go – like I, maybe from like, if you're watching him in practice and, and the athletic specimen side of it, but like in game and now I, I'm not going to put it all on him because I do think Tim Beck, who somehow is now a head coach. I always thought Tim Beck was a bad offensive coordinator at NC state, but I have never been blown away in any game by Devin Leary. Now I, I still think you won the portal cause you got a starting quarterback with a shit ton of starts and I can see the raw skills. Like I can see like, okay, this guy's this big. He can, you know, I can see that, but I want to see it in game. You know, I want to see it in game where he can dominate maybe. And I think he might be able to, who knows? So uh, what do you make of, of my statement there? Well, so he had a really good season two years ago. I'll definitely give him that. Um, and you know, his health issues definitely made our offensive line, which was of a wet paper bag quality last year. It, it definitely like raises quite, and that's why some other gets in the transfer portal are especially key, but I not necessarily in the statistic, just the vibe I get from him. It, it's kind of like Tanner Morgan, uh, the last couple of years that he had at Minnesota, just perfect, where, perfect it, comparison. Yeah. Like, where I'm just like, you know, I like this guy. I'd love if he was as good as ever, as everybody's saying he is. Um, I, I just have a lot of question marks. And what I do like, though, is that he brings with him 
the running back, uh, and now let's say, ah, Demi Sumo Kongbaye is what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> oh, and you said I, it way better than me. You said it way better than me. You're doing good. And what I like about that is, if you'll recall last year, Chris Rodriguez was our anchor, you know, when he came back from that, again, pesky DUI charge. Um, <laughs> and Cabossier Smoke wasn't used nearly as much as a change of pace guy after Rodriguez came back as I would have liked to have seen. Now, Demi only had, like, he didn't have that many carries last year, but he actually did pretty well as a receiving back. And if he has a rapport with Devin Leary coming into Kentucky, that and Vanderbilt transfer Ray Davis, who is a bowling ball, who rushed for over 1,000 yards and I believe five touchdowns last year, I think that's the makings of, you know, a solid backfield to the point where I could say that maybe, you know, the backfield is better than it was. And, you know, to get back in the transfer portal, the defensive pieces of like Keyshawn Silver from Carolina, uh, to add to, you know, two guys that Phil Steele already picked as first-team All-SEC preseason guys, uh, in it was JJ Weaver and Deion Walker, but to get the offensive linemen from Northern Illinois, um, Alabama, Mark, yeah, I got the Alabama kid too. From, so I, I definitely think we won the transfer portal, and I think that the the pieces that we didn't see coming through the transfer portal, I think were quietly addressed in our recruiting class. Yeah, and he, that's something that's got a lot better as well throughout the years. So uh, they they've been recruiting just a lot a lot better than say twenty years ago. Uh, look, uh, offensively, let's dive into the offense a little bit. A year ago, I mean, these numbers are crazy considering they had a winning season. Uh, 111th in scoring offense, 107th in rush offense, 94th in pass offense. This is the 115th best offense in the country. I mean. It's pretty crazy because you had a seven and five regular season. And I mean, to be that bad offensively, now I know uh you're you're going uh, you're going back to the well because Liam Cohen, the OC in 21, when he had that 10 win season, he went to uh Los Angeles out by me for a cup of coffee with the Rams, and now he's back. He's back uh in Lexington. Now I think you gotta be excited to have him come back. Uh, and, and we'll see if he can get that offense back to where it was previously. Um, as we alluded to Devin Leary penciled in to be the starter. Uh, obviously, I mean, I, I, they do have like Deuce Hogan and Destin Wade and, and Sharon or Sharon, I think it is um, in the backup quarterback room. Uh, but I think this is Leary's show, but obviously health. We got to mention that because Leary's had some, some health issues over the years. Um, the running back room just like Brady was alluding to, it could be better this year when you consider Demi and then Ray Davis and also um, uh, uh, McLean, who's, who's in the backfield as well. So they got three capable guys. Why the wideouts, you got to love the fact you're bringing back Dane key and Barry and Brown. Uh, Barry and Brown was, uh, was, was, I think flashed a little bit. So uh, those guys are back. Your tight end is back as well. Josh Caddis. Uh, and I, I think you even got Dingle back as well. Both tight ends back. Uh, offensive line too. Four or five starters back. And as you alluded to, you bring in the kid Marquise Cox. He's a senior from uh, Northern Illinois. That's a huge get. And uh, some of the other added depth, bringing in transfers from Bama, Ohio State, and USC on the offensive line. Always a good thing. Um, will this offense be better with uh, with Liam Cohen? And, and obviously, even though you change QBs, and obviously. If, if, if Devin Leary was to get injured, then it probably won't be, but 
the offense has got to be a little bit better this year. If, if everything goes to, as, as, as you know, health, if health is there for, for Leary, I think the offense will be probably like 30, 40, 50 spots better than it was a year ago. How about yourself? Yeah, I would have loved to have seen us lean more on the tight end position last year when it seemed like Levis was under pressure every single play. It was it was heartbreaking to watch. You, you think of, you know, and it's how you knew he was going to slide in the draft because he started the year as the number one quarterback pro prospect. And you knew unless everything went perfect through the whole season, that wasn't going to keep. And, you know, so this year we pull in, you know, a four-star wide receiver, Shamara Porter. We got a, th- a couple of three-star tight ends. I, the prototypical perfect college tight end to me is like Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina a couple years ago. Those are the kind of guys I like. And I thought we had it in Isaiah Cummins a few years ago. We, for some reason, since Jacob Tammy, we have just completely ignored that position. Uh, and it feels like it would have been great last year, but it seems like, you know, the biggest problem we've had for so many years offensively is we've always had a lot of under talented, undersized, but tricky gizmo kind of wide receivers. Uh, And I think we're starting to make up a little bit of that gap as we grow in prominence in the transfer portal and in recruiting. I think if the offensive line is better and Liam Cohen is back and, you know, for the Bengals and for uh, the Kentucky Wildcats, bringing in Rams coaches has worked out pretty well, especially for the offense. I don't think it can get worse uh, than the problems that there were last year. You, you look at some of Levis's numbers. You look at his, how bad his rushing numbers were because of the statistical difference between college and pro football. You look at how much he passed for. It's like, who was catching these balls? I don't yeah. even know how we produced the offensive numbers that it says we did at the end of the year. Yeah, no, you're right. And and if and here's another thing. You know, if you look at players that have started previously. So if you look at that statistic, whether it's Leary Davis, you bring back 11 guys then. Now I know they haven't been together as a unit, but you would have 11 returning starters that have been college football starters before in, in the FBS. So that, that I don't, I don't know that many schools can say that, but um that's something to pay attention to the defensive side of the ball, which is obviously Stoops forte. Uh, and, and Brad white is uh, what in his fifth year as defensive coordinator, um, 13th in scoring defense a year ago, 46 in rush defense, seventh in pass defense, 11th in total defense. That's why it was so big that they attack uh, the portal with the secondary because, you know, uh, you know, they lost Tisdale to Colorado, but another, some of the, some of the other guys off just graduation. So, uh, it makes it very interesting because if, if they can, if they can, if those newcomers can step up because that pass defense was pretty fucking phenomenal a year ago. Now you do look and say only five starters back on the defensive side of the ball, the defensive line who I know Stoops likes, by the way, I know, I think Stoops I've he- I've heard him talk about this thinks it's the, uh, one of the stronger units, despite only bringing back one, uh, defense, one starter from a year ago in the, Deion Walker. So uh, at the defensive tackle spot, um, I get, I'm going to trust him. This is his defense. You know what I mean? Like this is his forte. He loves the depth. He says of the defensive line. I know the linebacking core is one that you love the fact you're returning everybody for, uh, for the most part. But at the same time, uh, I know they're a little concerned about the depth, but JJ Weaver back, Trevin Wallace back, 
Jackson back at the, at the middle linebacker spot. Um, so you got that happening. Secondary though, is all new faces with the exception of free safety. Jordan. Love it. I know, like I alluded to, they bring in, uh, they, they bring in Hardaway who was a stud at Cincinnati. That was such a huge get, man. That was such a huge get, I think. Um, and then the rest are either newcomers or other portal guys. What do you make of this defense? And uh, I kind of expect a little bit of regression, especially in the past defense, even though they, they got Hardaway, not gigantic numbers as far as like, I don't think they'll drop 20 spots. I think they'll still be a good defense, but are you concerned about the defense at all? It, the defense has never really failed me at Kentucky since the the era that I'm talking about because I was born in 1997. So when I'm talking about my childhood, it is in the middle of the 2000s is when really this these memories started forming. And that's, I mean, a, a long line of Wesley Woodyard's, Avery Williamson's, Bud Dupree's, Jonathan Allen's. You know, we have always produced playmakers. That's kind of what's made it a bit of a gimmicky defense for a while was that we had stars but we didn't have depth. We didn't have a full body defense and that's starting to change. Naturally, the secondary has always been the weakest part of our defense for my entire life. Um, I think that this year is shaping up to be about as good defensively. And, you know, we played Georgia and Alabama this year to uh, also Tennessee who pieced us up 44 to six last year. So what the ultimate statistics will reflect at the end of the year I'm not sure, but I think that we are going to be in just as good a shape to win games, if not better, with the defensive core that we're sporting. The people that we brought in, I think, especially the the dudes that we brought in at safety and in in the secondary, I think that patches up some really important holes that could make a three-point difference in a lot of these bigger games. Yeah, and and we should note also that uh, you are bringing in a new kicker and punter. Uh, I say this because, you know, you, you did play a couple that Northern Illinois game was a one score game. The, uh, the uh, Missouri game was a one score game. And then you also had your one score losses. I mean, you played Georgia pretty damn well, only lost by 10. Uh, then you have, you know, the, the close loss to Vanderbilt, which I know was a bad loss, but Vandy's showing signs of, of life. Uh, and then the three point game at Ole Miss, where you thought you had that thing won, or at least go into overtime. Um but something to note, a new kicker, new punter. Um, we're going to, we're going to uh, talk about the wildcat schedule and go game by game on the 2023 schedule. Um, but before we do that, uh, I want to tell you folks out there that the college football experience, Kentucky wildcats, 2023 season preview episode is, uh, is brought to you by underdog fantasy. Yes. Uh, look, Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Yeah. And look, Underdog Pick'em is a great way to get down on your favorite MLB or NFL season player props. And folks, uh, if you listen to us, because we've talked college football year round here and, and uh, well, I'll tell you more in a second, but I, we've been with Underdog a couple of years. Underdog does awesome player props during the college football season. You're going to hear me rattling, spewing this stuff out in a couple of weeks here. Uh so many ways to win on underdog and under underdogs available in so, so many different states head over to underdogfantasy.com. Use that promo code SGPN for hundred percent deposit bonus up to a hundred dollars. Once again, that's underdogfantasy.com promo code SGPN. 
All right, we are back on the college football experience, and I want to hammer this home. First, you're hopefully you're watching on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash the college experience. Subscribe, tell a friend. But that is our hub for everything. I host the college basketball experience, uh, where we talk college basketball year round on that feed. And when the season comes, I talk college basketball every single night of the season with uh, Moneyline Mac, uh, aka Ryan McIntyre, uh, who who was a former. Uh, on the staff of uh, Frank Martin at South Carolina when they made the final four run. And he was on the staff of Bob Huggins and some other fantastic coaches. So check out the college basketball experience. We also host the college baseball experience and the FCS college football experience. And we also now have the big 12 experience. We come together as one on YouTube, youtube.com slash the college experience. So please folks, if you can't subscribe, tell a friend, those podcasts are all separate when you listen to them. But uh, so subscribe to each feed but uh, we, we all together as one on YouTube, youtube.com slash the college experience. Uh, all right, here we go. Look, if you're watching on YouTube right now, you see the sweet ass graphic shout out to cam Kerr, our graphics guy. Um, the win total in the top right corner saying six and a half wins. My first reaction to this, I know we're going to go game by game on the schedule is first off. Mark Stoops is one of the, he's got like the Bobby Bonilla contract of college football. Where I think he, you know, Bobby Bonilla, if you don't know, still getting, he hasn't played baseball in like 20 years and he still gets a million dollars every July 1st. Um, till, and I think that goes to 2036, if memory serves me correct. I think it, it's somewhere in the 2030s, which greatest contract ever. Um, but also, uh, you know, I, I Stoops is what? He, if he wins seven games and makes, or if he, if he, if he goes to bowl, if he goes bowl eligible, he, I think he gets an extra, a, a bonus. But if he gets the seven games, he gets, uh, I thought there was some gigantic number. I should have pulled it up for this episode. Are you familiar with, with what exactly that is, Brady? I'm not familiar with the exact contract term. If I had to guess based on the way we schedule and our results, I'd say that if he gets to seven wins and gets to a bowl game, I'm sure that he is eating nice for the rest of the year. Uh, and, you know, I, I hear you talk about the way that we schedule all the time, and I'm completely receptive to it. It's a relic that one you know exists still because we're trying to survive in this rat race that is the evolving nature of college football and conference realignment but now you know we're seeing our you know now that there's going to be an expanded playoff you're seeing the real possibility that Kentucky could make a final four or you know an elite eight and something other than basketball for you know the first time ever so True. You know, these games, like the way that we start off, they're great if you want to go bowling, but it's not a real test of how good of a team we are. I can never tell if we're a good team or not by the end of the year. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. Please go to the nine game conference schedule, SEC. I, I think Kentucky was one that voted against it. Um, I could be wrong, but I thought that I read that they were one that voted against it and wanted it to stay at eight, which I understand you want to make a bowl, you want the extra month of practices, but. I don't even care. We could just, can we just make everyone get an extra, an, an extra month of practice? Like I, if that's, the, if that's what's the, hurting our scheduling, then let everyone do it. I don't care. Let, let everyone down to the D three level. Who cares? Um, but anyway, please give us the nine game schedule. Let's, let's hop into this though, because Stoops' contract, absolutely fantastic. And uh, week one, and, and yet this beginning of the schedule, fucking phenomenal. Uh, Ball State, the Cardinals, who who lost Lexington Steel, Carson Lexington Steel, their stud running back, former Mister Indiana High School Player of the Year. Uh, he is now the starting running back at UCLA. We just had him on our show, so go check out that interview. Um, Ball State, though, uh, 
they were five and seven a year ago. I kind of think they're going to be somewhere around the same this year. I think they will be five and seven, six and six best case scenario, seven and five. I think Kentucky rolls them, especially knowing that they lost some key players a season ago, breaking in a brand new quarterback, a brand new running back. Kind of, if I had to bet, I think they're probably five and seven or six and six. So I'll, I'll lay uh, three touchdowns in Kentucky here. Uh, What are you doing here? I agree with the three touchdowns that you'd lay there. I think this is, I think that I'm even less worried about ball state than I was Miami of Ohio last year, because at least Miami of Ohio, they had, you know, some level of competent quarterback play a few years of bowl wins. You know, it's, you can't really call it an area rivalry, but like Kentucky fans, Miami of Ohio fans know each other, especially once you get up to the tip of Kentucky right below Ohio and I'll tell you, Colby, Ball State is the game that I am the least worried about out of our first four games. I think that you get a similar result that you did against Miami last year. Um, maybe maybe we score a little less, a little more, uh, but I don't think Ball State's even going to put up the points that Miami did. Yeah, I tend to, I tend to agree with you. Uh, week two, I love this game on the schedule, by the way. Love this game. Yes. Uh, Eastern Kentucky, if you're going to play an FCS a, I would like it if you played a good FCS. Now I know that's impossible to dictate, but you can kind of dictate that if they've shown success in, over the past years, you can kind of say, well, you know, so uh, I, I got, it drives me crazy. And, and actually I, I will come at the Kentucky athletic director. Cause one of his reasons for eight games was player safety, which was fucking hilarious because to me, if, 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 uh, if you're saying player safety and we're expanding the playoff, uh, doesn't really make a lot of sense. And then I would argue the other side of that is playing an FCS. Like when Alabama plays, uh, you know, someone like Western Carolina, right? Western Carolina, no disrespect to the catamounts. If anything, maybe they will be better this year. I think they will be actually. But uh, my point is, is that, is that really safe? I would argue that it's actually more dangerous to be playing, especially the very bad FCS schools where it's like a thin line between them and a, and a D three athlete, I would argue that it's much more dangerous to, for that to happen. So, uh, but Eastern Kentucky is a very good FCS school. They made the playoffs a year ago. I know, I know they have aspirations to jump to the FBS, which personally I kind of would love because I want a Western Carolina versus Eastern. I'm sorry. I want a Western Kentucky against Eastern Kentucky rivalry game each and every year. Let's make it happen. College football gods. Um, but look, they did beat an FBS a year ago in a crazy game that I was on. All right. So I, I really love Eastern Kentucky because I took them to beat Bowling Green week two. And it was an insane ride as they won 59, 57 and seven overtimes. Oh man. That is a guy that played the money line on that. That was a, that was a true roller coaster. Uh, Eastern Kentucky, look, they're an FCS playoff team, which means you got to take them serious. I still think Kentucky wins this game, but I love this game on the schedule because this is a true little brother against big brother. And I love that. Who are you taking here? This game scares the hell out of me for a couple of different reasons. And I, I also, I run the, uh, the sideline sports network, Twitter account for the Eastern Kentucky Colonels. I'm tuned into what's going on at EKU. And the reason this is a ballsy matchup, man, is it, aside from Parker McKinney, who is an outstanding pro prospect quarterback that Eastern Kentucky has, 
Eastern Kentucky is a school committed to investing in their athletic program and getting up to the FBS low. They take it seriously. You can see in the results that they had in basketball this past year that as an overall program, they've got it together as far as NIL, and they, they are planning their rise in the levels of college sports. Richmond, Kentucky is a 20-minute drive from Lexington. You can do it really quick. Uh, so beautiful. People get rowdy at, at Eastern for sure, and when they come into Lexington – if this is a game that we are, you know, and luckily we got Akron next, so I don't think it's – there's no look-ahead Yeah, spot. yeah. If this is a game that we don't have it together for, if it's a game we're overlooking, this is a game where you should bet on Eastern to cover because Parker McKinney is legitimately a very talented quarterback. Yeah, I remember that Chattanooga game a couple of years ago. You guys barely got by the mocks of Chattanooga. But I think Chattanooga caught him at a better spot than – like – you know, sometimes you get that spot of like, oh, they got a big game the week before, and then they got to play Chattanooga. So uh, here we are. Uh, I got them two and zero, oh, and then the Akron Zips, who were two and ten a year ago. Now, I, uh, I first off, go listen to our Akron preview because I've already talked about this. I am kind of bullish on the over on Ak- Akron this year. I think they are going to be vastly improved, and I thought you saw the improvement throughout the season. I mean, this is a team that lost to to Tennessee by fifty six last year and Michigan State by fifty two. But as the season went along, uh, they probably should have won their final game of the year, which was a rescheduled game. They fumbled it away when they were running out the clock. Uh, and and then Buffalo ended up getting a field goal to win. The game prior to that, they beat Northern Illinois by 32 at Northern Illinois. And the game before that, uh, Eastern Michigan team, that was a bowl team, they only lost two by six. So they were getting better as the season went along. I still, I just don't know that they're there yet. And I have to take Kentucky. But I do expect them to be a lot better than two and ten, and uh, I think there actually could be a bowl team this year. But I still think they're just not ready for this. So I got Kentucky, and I will lay a, I'll lay like double digits in this game. I feel uh, if you told me Akron's getting twenty four or something, I'd probably take the points. But I still think Kentucky kind of handles this one. What are you doing here? Here's the thing about Akron, and you know. Aside, you know, isolated in the Mac, if you're an improving team with competent coaching and talent that's been coming in more steadily, you can go bowling. You can win a damn Mac championship if you have those things. Yeah. Yeah. DJ Irons is a guy that I had a blast watching last year, even in the games that they were losing. And I believe he had some injury issues maybe at the end of the year. Uh, Yeah. Undercuffler came in. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So DJ Irons is a guy, he's such a guy that can mess with Kentucky. Um, And maybe that's how they keep it a little closer. I do trust the coaching of Akron. They are clearly bringing in more and more talent every year. This is a point where I think we're three and oh now. Um, This game scares me more than ball state just off irons and the coaching alone. Anything over 21, I, I might think about taking Akron on. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, so three and oh, and now they head to they call this first bank stadium. Now it's in Nashville Commodore stadium. Take on the Vanderbilt Commodores. Now Vanderbilt, I was impressed with Clark Lee's second season. And I do think this game is going to be harder than you realize because you have Florida on deck and I feel like Kentucky just wants they want to beat the shit out of Florida. And I just think it's a little bit sneaky. Now the, the fact that Vanderbilt got them last year, I think might draw their, their it's the sec opener. 
they might have their full attention because the Commodores beat them a year ago. I will take Kentucky to win this one, but I do expect this to be a little closer. I guess I can't say like, oh, this will be a one score game. No one's projecting that because Vanderbilt won last year. But I, I got Kentucky winning this, but I think it's a I think it's a game. You Vanderbilt ran all over us last year. And you know, could you call it a look ahead spot for Georgia? Uh yeah, absolutely could. And you know, are we maybe not looking ahead as much to Florida now that we have a few wins under our belt over the last few years? That's very possible too, because Florida doesn't worry me near as much this year, and that's because of the talent that they are bringing in. But as far as Vandy, you know, I, I think on a default, all, all things normal, the things that we have improved upon, this is a game that we should win. It, it's, you know, I'm almost more worried about it when it's not at Vandy. I don't trust that crowd that much. Like, that, yeah. it, that isn't a huge concern for me. But Vandy is a team that, like, the moment you feel yourself letting the game slip away, panic sets in because you don't want to lose to Vandy. It makes you make mistakes. Vandy plays some things really competently. Um, it, that game just always worries you because if you can't win that game, the SEC is going to be a long, long fall for your team. I think we win that game. Um, I, I think probably by about 10 points because it's early in the season. Who knows where everybody's going to be at? That's my default because it, there's so much different between last year for these two teams. Yeah. Yeah. So, so four and oh. Sounds like what you got him at. I got him at four and oh two. And that's a great first four games, by the way. Like you could be talking about the the I mean, you could actually build a case that Eastern Kentucky is the best team out of the four. Um yeah, yeah. Uh so we uh week five, final final day in September, the Florida Gators come to town, Kroger Field, and uh look, you've won three of five against the Gators. Should be four or five. I remember one of those losses and uh, when Trask came in for Felipe Franks, but um, uh, I, I, I think you beat Florida. I like, I, I think you're just a better roster right now. I think the quarterback play, I can trust more, even though I've, I've bashed Leary some earlier. I think he's certainly more uh, by, you know, viable as a, a quarterback than what I've seen out of Graham Mertz or Jack Miller. Absolutely. So I will take them to be, especially at the, this place will be lit for this one. This is, this is going to be, so I'm all over Kentucky being five and oh before they head into San uh, Sanford stadium, take on the Georgia Bulldogs. I'm curious, Brady, what do you have them at uh, after this week? I think that we're going to be five and oh, if we made it to four and oh, at this point, uh, it's huge that we don't have to go down to the swamp in September. Uh, that's yeah. a good thing. They're coming to the grocery store, bring your shopping bags. Uh, <laughs> And I'll call it Commonwealth Stadium for the rest of the time. I don't recognize that filthy corporate name. <laughs> thank you. Thank uh, you. But Billy Napier probably should have stayed in the Sun Belt. I don't mean that in a disparaging way. I just mean that they ask way more of you, and they ask you to do the wrong thing uh, at Florida as a coach. They want talent. He's bringing it in, but this is not necessarily how you win at the University of Florida. Graham Ertz, I, I'm not scared of that one bit. I wasn't scared of Anthony Richardson. I still wouldn't be if my team was playing the Colts. So at four and oh I think we're five and oh after this point. Chop on that Gator fans. All right. And then you go into Sanford Stadium. Watch out those cars are racing around there. 
All right. Uh, they're letting these, they're letting these players do everything down there, but no, they're winning national championships. And that normally goes hand in hand uh, ever since the movie, the program draw actually no, ever since like the eighties, I would say probably the late seventies, early eighties. Uh, this I'm sorry. I, I would love not. There was not one thing I would love more probably this whole season. <laughs> if you told me Kentucky won this game, however, Georgia is a force. And I think they're going to be even better defensively this year than a year ago. I just can't, I can't take you here. What do you guys do? Please tell me, uh, please tell me you got the wildcats winning here in Sanford stadium, <laughs> man. It, it would have been big any of the last two years. Uh, we played Georgia really well two years with Levis um, it, way better than I expected, way better than I really could have asked for, for a long time. This yeah. is the clearest loss to me on the schedule. Uh, and even Alabama past this, it's not in the same tier. And one thing about Georgia, you got to ask, is that going to be the same team with the same competence without Stetson? But I can't believe I'm saying it. But it, it, <laughs> it, it, no. there's something magical about the guy, man. I can't there is. Dude, chance. I had to eat my words on this very show. And there is something valuable to having a 35 year old starting, starting quarterback in college football, which it seems to be more, more common now than ever. But still uh, you're right. He was a gamer and he played his ass off in the playoffs the past couple of years. And they have two national championships to, sh to show for it. So uh, five, what's that? Well, even in, you know, as talent, as the balance of those scales is kind of evening, Ultimately, what makes the difference against Georgia is their backfield and the defensive line against the offensive line on both sides. And that is a game that we are still very unprepared to win at this point. Even with how well we did last year, uh, a lot of things are different. And Georgia brought in a lot more talent just like we did. Yeah, I agree. I mean, so five and one. Now you got homecoming Saturday, October 14th. This is a sneaky homecoming game. I mean, I, I think Kentucky's better than Missouri. But Georgia is always that body blow game, man. You know what I mean? Like when you play Georgia, it's just one where I feel like you're just like, ouch, you know? Uh, but look, you played Georgia last year and you ended up beating Kentucky. I'm sorry, beating uh, Louisville the very next week. Uh, so I will take Kentucky to beat Missouri, but I do expect this game to be a close one. So I will have you at six and one. Remember the, the over six and a half folks. What do you got? What do you got? Uh, who do you got winning this one on Saturday, October 14th, Brady? Missouri is a team that we always end up in close games with, but I've never been scared of Missouri. It feels like we've had their numbers since the Matty Mock days, even when we were a six and six, seven and five squad. That's a team that, thank God, they uh, they realigned conferences and came to the SEC East. I, I feel more confident in any given year that we're going to beat Missouri than I do South Carolina for sure. Um, Missouri doesn't scare me, and their coaching doesn't scare me. I think that they're going to see themselves fall behind in a lot of athletic departments moving forward. They have not positioned themselves well. Um, and yet somehow Colby at five and three, I bet they find themselves in the top 25 at some point this season. I would lay three and a half for Kentucky in this game. Yeah, I like it. And that like, so we both got them there at, uh, at six and one, once again, all you need is one win. You get a bye week on Saturday, October 21st, and then you host the Tennessee volunteers. And I feel like Tennessee shout out to, to our guy, GBO farms is a big Tennessee volunteer fan. And he always reminds me that Tennessee owns Kentucky, but I think, I think this year, Tennessee might be slightly 
overrated based off last year. I still think there'll be a bowl team. I'm not trying to take a shot at them, but that's why I'm calling for Kentucky to move to seven and one here. What are you doing here? I love the timing of this game, man. I, I'm picturing Lexington, Kentucky, October 28th, the Tennessee game. This place is going to be lit on fire for this game. Halloween around. Oh, the that's great. That's great. Looking to yeah. blow off steam on state street before things get tough with the semester. I, I think Tennessee has shown the ability in their coaching to dial up electric offenses. I wonder if it's a bit gimmier, gimmickier than what Liam Cohen and Devin Leary are going to be bringing to the table. Um, and any given year, aside from like, first of all, everybody historically owns Kentucky, who's an FBS team. So, you know, <laughs> not, not Florida in the past five. All right. Three, there you go. <laughs> you go back before Randall Cobb. We I don't know if we have a winning record against a single FBS team. Uh, if we played them after Bear Bryant left. But Tennessee, on any given year besides last year, that's a 50-50 game for us. This is at home where I'm actually feeling better about our team on every side. Tennessee, I think, is going to take a step back. Uh, this is a game that if it's if it's pick them, if we're laying, you know, one and a half, two and a half, I'm, I'm rolling with Kentucky at seven and one. And everybody, a hush falls over the crowd in Lexington as we hit that record. Love it. Love it. Hit that over. Uh, now, now you go to Davis Wade stadium in Starkville. And, and once again, you know, bombed completely bombed our friend, Mike Leach who has been on this show so many times. Uh, he's, he's gone and uh, Mississippi state. I consider one of the true enigmas of college football this year. It's really hard to understand how they'll be, like, I honestly have no idea. Part of me thinks they could regress. Part of me thinks they could surprise. They're ditching the air raid. Uh, you know, Will Rogers is a very experienced quarterback. I can tell you this, the fact that it's a look ahead spot for Kentucky scares me because I think Kentucky's saying, okay, we want Bama. We're going to get Bama. And that's why I'm going to call for Mississippi state to pull the upset. Give me a 31, 28 score, but this is certainly still winnable for Kentucky. I'm just trying to guess where are the landmines on this schedule and I, I think getting ten, the sandwich spot between the emotions in Tennessee and the emotions in Alabama uh, coming to Kroger field. I think this is a sneaky good spot. If you're a Mississippi state fan, I think you're happy with where this game is placed despite not the, the uncertainties with your current roster. Uh, what are you doing here? I, man, if it was, first of all, what Mike Leach and Hal mummy accomplished at the university of Kentucky changed football forever. Uh, yes. So, so all, all the credit in the world there. This is going to be a rough year playing in the SEC West. There's there's not going to be any gimme games within that division. Um, and last year when we beat Mississippi State 27 to 17, Will Rogers went 25 for 37, 203 yards, a touchdown and a pick. They rushed for a combined 22 yards when you factor in Will Rogers going minus eight. Uh, it was 30 yards between the two running backs while we – rushed for I mean Chris Rodriguez alone rushed for 197 yards and two touchdowns. Do I think that's going to get better this year? No. Uh, and I, I would love for Mississippi State to have a good season. Um I, I think that there's a lot of opportunities for things to kind of go off the rails for them. I don't know if Will Rogers is best used anywhere where he's not slinging the ball over the field. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm a skeptic because he ran the air raid in high school too. 
So he's been out of the gun forever. And now they're going to have him under center, which I am a little concerned. I just think it's a very good position to have this game scheduled. Yes. And this is a game where if we do take some losses where we have predicted that Kentucky gets wins, things could be falling off the rails here. Like we have seen in many, many years past. So this is a game that's always 50, 50. It's been a 50, 50 game for my entire life. Um, And so, you know, this game does scare me. The fact that it's in Mississippi doesn't make it better either. Those kids drink dip spit for fun. Uh, (laughs) I would still say, you know, like I think we get the win, but I think that we end up being favored in this game by too many points. So I think that actually taking the points with Mississippi state would be the move there. Yeah. So you got him eight and one. I got him at seven and two, but the over still hit. Now the Alabama crimson tide come into town. I would, I, once again, I'll go back to what I said with Georgia. There was nothing. Actually, I would probably want this one more because it's on campus. The Georgia one's not, and this would just be great. However, I have to take Alabama. I have to, like, I think, I think Alabama is probably going to win this game. So would I love to see it? Sure. I'm taking Alabama though, but I hope I'm wrong. What do you, what are you doing here, Brady? I feel like the question of this game kind of comes down to like, what is going on in the cerebral cortex of Nick Saban over the last year? This man's going to Congress trying to stop college kids from making money. Uh, he's having, yeah. How's that going for you, Nick? Talking, <laughs> jabs with Jimbo Fisher going back and forth about who cheats less before it was okay. Uh, Alabama this year to me and last year too, you know, and obviously there was the Texas game. There were some games they, they should have won some games. They should have lost. But Alabama kind of feels like a trumped up Lane Kiffin old miss to me right now. I think, oh, oh, I, I think they're vulnerable this year. Continue. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I just think they're way softer. It's not like playing Georgia, who is an all around killer. I think Alabama is obviously a very talented team, but is this team that is being forced to play by the rules of football in 2023? Is that affecting them in a way that these guys aren't necessarily going to be unified to go into Lexington and play a team that might be heavy feeling themselves at this point? This is the this could be a, a big upset. I think that it is by far more likely than getting a win over Georgia. I think if Alabama is, you know, more than what, what would you say, nine and a half point favorites? You know, I, I, I think that this could be a really close game because I don't think they're tough in the ways that was going to dominate us like it would in years past. Well, and they have such, such question marks at the quarterback spot too. I mean, they're bringing in Tyler Buckner from, from uh, Notre Dame, who last time we saw him play, he didn't look great. So I, and, and he might be their starter. Uh, who knows? Um, uh, look, I do think this is like the most beatable Alabama team in some time. I made this case on the Alabama preview. Their win total, I believe is 10 and a half. I took the under. I think they're closer to being a nine and three team than an 11 and one team. So I think they're, they, they really could regress. So, uh, do, I mean, do you, I'm, I'm, I mean, what's that? sorry. Do, do you think this is a year where, you know, Lane Kiffing could beat Alabama? Uh, potentially. I feel like Bama's, uh, I, there's a lot of question marks. I can't recall a time where, look, we saw this era where they had so many studs at the quarterback spot. And now you have this, this, uh, I know they're going to have a bigger emphasis on the run game. And maybe that 
maybe that helps because we know they have talented players everywhere, but they have a lot of question marks. I can't recall an Alabama team with this many question marks in a long time. So uh, I I'd still think they'll pro- talent wise, they should win nine, 10, 11 games, but are they vulnerable? A hundred percent. But I'm taking Bama still, but I, I could see it. So you're taking, you're taking, you're taking the wildcats on an upset here. Now I have to I have to say this is our second loss, but I, I'm keeping a close eye on this one because I could feel very differently after the, the SEC opener. Fair, fair. Uh, the the next week, Saturday, November 18th, you head to Williams Bryce Stadium to take on South Carolina. Uh, I'll put it like this: I I had you guys losing to Mississippi State. I think you go one and one between Mississippi State and South Carolina. So I'll I'll, t- I'll take this one as a win in Williams Bryce stadium. Um, but I do expect this to be a wild game and I can't wait to watch these games. Cause I always feel like for some reason, I feel like these games have been kind of wild. Um, uh, what are you doing here on November 18th? And I was at a, a big Kentucky upset. I believe when South Carolina had Mike Davis at running back uh, and some dude named Dylan at quarterback that shouldn't have been throwing the ball instead of handing off to Mike Davis. But there, there was a time, especially in the Spurrier area, where those games felt insurmountable. Uh, and last year, Spencer Rattler didn't have to do very much for this to be a letdown game for us. Um, and it, was that even a game where, let me see real quick. And that was a game where Will Levis was not playing, um, it, which is an important, that's very important. Um, this game being in South Carolina, because I have us beating Mississippi state and, and Tennessee and Missouri, I think this is the 50, 50 game that we do drop, uh, no matter what happens after Alabama, whether, whether that's a game that ends up going down to the wire and is emotionally exhausting or, you know, a a game that we end up winning and party our asses off for a full week. Uh, I think that South Carolina really still poses a danger to us and, that's a one too many 50, 50 games for me to say it come up, comes up heads. Uh, fair. Okay. Okay. Well, look, the final game of the season is, is, uh, the governor's cup, uh, in at, uh, whatever they, I call it the shack, whatever, whatever they call that shit. Now it used to be Papa John's and they said all this racist shit. They couldn't call it Papa John's the shack. It's the shack. Cause shack bought into Papa John's. Let's just own it. Um, Saturday, November 25th against Louisville Cardinals. See <laughs> Kentucky fans. I love you, but at the same time, I want this rivalry to be really, really good. And I think brought for it to be really good. I think they need to win one and it, it needs to happen in Brahms first year. So then the stakes get higher the second year. I know, I know you get, you're going to hate me. You're going to hate me, but I'm calling for the upset on the Louisville Cardinals 27, 24. And, and this, this ignites the Louisville fans to think that there's their, their, their shit don't stink coming into next year. And then the rivalry gets even more intense going into Lexington. Um, maybe I'm full of it. I don't know. Cause I know Kentucky's dominated them lately, but uh, how big of a fool am I Brady? I mean, I'm looking at Louisville's schedule right now, too. There is a very good chance that they're playing for an ACC championship at this point. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. So here's the thing. I think that's based on their schedule. 
Uh, I think that Brom was the perfect coaching hire for Louisville. To get rid of Satterfield and exile him to UC with Emory Jones, it was the the shafting of the century in terms of coaching uh, switches. Plummer is going to be a great quarterback. And last year, you know, it was kind of a weird game. Levis didn't have to do much. Malik Cunningham only, I think, threw like six passes. Wasn't a big part of the game. Um, this is a game that I think it's a little too early for Louisville. I think that we're going to be able to match them uh, in everywhere in the game of football. I think that they're not going to be able to catch up to us in one year in the talent that we've been bringing in, the continuity and the additions to the coaching staff. I think we beat them, maybe even spoil an ACC, you know, championship berth or, you know, some big stakes thing for him, beat them in Louisville. Uh, but then Colby next year, I think they might get us in Lexington. Oh, I just, well, I just love the rivalry. So as a, as a guy that covers college athletics from the bird's eye view, who I don't have any allegiance, I actually think I'd probably lean Kentucky uh, if, if, as far as who I'd want to win this game, like from fandom. But uh, sure. I just think, I just think it's gonna, I, I think Brown is meant to be coaching Louisville. I thought the first time he should have left Purdue for, for Louisville. Right. And I think the buzz around the program, I think can make this game super duper exciting if he wins this going into the offseason. But you might be right. Maybe I have my years wrong. And I know Kentucky fans are probably going to say I'm a fucking idiot. Uh, but look, I'm just trying to forecast this season. I'm still on the over and you're on the over. And uh, yeah, let's go get on over there. Six and a half. Are you kidding me, folks? Uh, look, before we get out of here, I had a chance to sit down with Michael Barker, a.k.a. College Football Campus Tour on Twitter at CFB campus tour. And he goes to like every college football game ever. He's been to every single FBS stadium. He's been, you know, multiple times and most of the FCS D two D three NAIA. He's, I feel like you just got to follow him because he documents it all in his account. Uh, here's that interview I did with Michael. Bring us on the college football experience. Kentucky Wildcats 2023 season preview is none other than Michael Barker, AKA college football campus tour on Twitter at CFB campus tour. This is a must follow folks. I'm just going to tell you that right now. It's a must follow. If you love college football, because Michael's been to every single college football stadium in the FBS. And it's not just like one time he's done. No, he goes back to those stadiums and he documents it all. He goes to five, six, seven games a week sometimes and just documents all of that. It is a must follow. Uh, it, it, Michael, I appreciate you hopping on the show and talking a little Kentucky football and Kroger field uh, blue light special in the end zone here. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thank you for the intro. And you know, anytime we get to talk about SEC stadium, that's big time. So I'm ready to talk about Kroger field. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember the uh, and Kentucky fans probably won't want to go down this road. I'm probably going to piss them off. But the game that stands out to me is that LSU Hail Mary. I remember I was I was at a bar in in, uh, t in Tennessee watching that game, and uh, just pff, what an ending! I, that, that stadium, same stadium, different name though, correct? Yeah, it was. It's been ever since it was built in 1973 up until 2017, as known as. Commonwealth Stadium, and you talk about not wanting to piss off Kentucky fans. Uh, most of the ones that I've talked to still refer refer to it as Commonwealth Stadium. Yeah, I mean, come on, Kroger Field, what's going on? I mean, I'm sure they it's it's it, they took a big check. Sure, that's always nice, but at the same time, come on, Kroger Field. Uh, tell me about uh, you know your your experiences to Kroger and and, and a little bit of uh, history about the program. 
So um, what's interesting about Commonwealth slash Kroger, it is the most recently built SEC stadium and opened in 1973. And when you think about the SEC, almost all of them are 100 year, years old. So uh, this is the newest stadium in the SEC. Um, it holds 61,000 fans. At one point, it was closer to 68,000. Uh, in, in 1999, they did a $27 million renovation. They added 40 uh, suites and 12,000 seats. Uh, the largest crowd ever was 71,000 people against Florida in 2017. And uh, another fact that I found interesting, we, you know, when you look at stadiums that are famous, go to a Wikipedia page, you always see like concerts, who played there and, you know, Elvis back in the day or Michael Jackson. Uh, Kroger Field never held a concert until last year. So the first 49, 50 years of the stadium, they didn't allow concerts for whatever reason. And in 2022, they had Chris Stapleton, Willie Nelson, and Cheryl Crow do a concert. So uh, that was interesting compared when you contrast it to all the stadiums that we know. Yeah, that is. Uh, I wonder why that is. AstroTurf didn't want to go out, didn't want to go see ACDC and tear your ACL while you're at yeah. it. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, uh, so how many times have you been here? So I've been to one game at uh, Kroger Field. It was a, a double. It was Indiana at noon, and it's about a two-hour, 45-minute drive um, to Lexington from there. It was It's another notable game. So it was 2019 versus Florida. And the year before, Florida, the Kentucky beat Florida in Gainesville and snapped a 31-game losing streak to Florida. So this was the first time they got him back in Lexington. And it was, I don't want to exaggerate, but it was the most bloodthirsty crowd I think that I've ever been in. They were, they were out for blood. And the game was a dogfight. Uh, they led all the way until the fourth quarter. Uh, in that game around the second quarter, they put uh, the quarterback, Felipe Franks, they put him out for the year with an injury. And an unknown backup named Kyle Trask came in. And in the fourth quarter, they outscored Kentucky 19 to zero and they stole the game 29, 21. And uh, the fans took it really hard because, you know, the combination of winning in 2018 in Gainesville and then leading most of the game, knocking out the starting quarterback and to not walk away with the victory. It was tough for them to take, but as far as atmosphere, crowd involvement, I loved it. It was a great experience. So I'm trying to get back there again, but that was a very, memorable game for me and my travels. You know, you mentioned, I, I, I bet. And, and you mentioned the crowd, you know, it was hard pill to swallow. We, we do a lock segment each week and I locked up Kentucky to beat Florida as my, my play of the week. I, I was, I, I know exactly the game you're at and it, it still boggles my mind on how I feel like Kentucky was a better team for three quarters for three quarters. They kind of like, to me, like with the clear cut, better team. And Trask comes in, and I feel like they stole that game. But uh, must have been a great game because I, it was a, it was a great game to watch. It painful for me, but I, it was just a good football game. Uh, gotta love that, and yeah, I gotta get there sometime. And Mike Leach, uh, rest in peace, friend of the program. I know he had coached at Kentucky, and he had uh, when we talked to him, he had uh, told us we should check out. We should check the you know check out. It wasn't Kroger Field to him either, so. Uh, uh, I got to get out there sometime. And Michael, I appreciate you hopping on the show to talk wildcat football and uh, what Kroger, Kroger field, whatever it is now, Kroger stadium. Uh, thanks for hopping on the show and folks give him a follow at CFB campus tour, because 
like I said, it, it, educational college football, educational. I just recently, I feel like yeah, the other day it was posting photos of the stadiums uh, throughout college football that were, uh, you know, in their first years of being built. And it was just crazy seeing, you know, the way certain cities looked, you know, certain universities looked like they'd barely had anything standing. So that's what I mean. You won't just get, you won't just get him at every game, which you will get, but you also get the history and just uh, love for college football. It's a must follow at CFB campus store. Michael, I appreciate you hopping on the show, man. Thank you. And if you like stadiums and that's your thing, follow my account and that's what you'll get. So uh, thank you Hep, for having me on Colby and talking about, uh, we'll call it Commonwealth Stadium. To, to <laughs> there we go. Commonwealth Stadium, man. Hopefully one day I'll see you there, brother. Take care. Right. Sounds good. You that was Michael Barker. And here we are, folks. We're both on the over. Uh, and that's our show, folks. Remember, subscribe to the college football experience and the college basketball experience and the FCS college football experience and the Big 12 college experience and the college baseball experience. We come together as one as the college experience on YouTube, youtube.com slash the college experience. Uh, I want to thank our guest, Brady Grove, for helping on the show. Check him out on Twitter at Roto Brady. Give him a follow. And uh, look, he, you know, he's over there at rotoballer.com. So check out his work. I appreciate you hopping on the show, brother. Hey, thanks for having me, Colby. I love all the shows you're doing uh, over at the sports gambling podcast network, the great work that they're doing all across that network. Shout out to Daniel Gumby Vreeland of the MMA gambling podcast. And Colby, do you mind if I, I leave you with a parting question? What's that? Where do you think Devin Leary ranks among SEC East quarterbacks? Ooh, I like it. Um, I would put, see, I would put Spencer Rattler's skill level above it, but Rattler seems to be a difficult guy in the locker room. Well, at least in Oklahoma. So I always worry about how much the players respect him, but I would put Rattler above him. Um, I would not put Mertz. I would not put Brady cook or whoever Garcia, whoever they go with at Missouri, I would not put, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the Vanderbilt quarterback name right now, but he's, he's solid. He was a freshman last year, but I still wouldn't put him above Leary. You could talk me into one of the Bulldogs players being there, but uh, yeah, I would put him, I would say second, second. So uh, there's that. All right. So I hope that answers your question. And uh, yeah, folks subscribe to the college football experience and check out the sports gambling podcast, get that SGPN app. And remember, to always let it ride, people. This is the college football experience, Kentucky Wildcat style. You better start thinking about yours. And we out of here. Run.